welcome to the Live Revolutionary Podcast, and I am your host, Vanessa Cruz. I'm so excited to be back at it again. Um, totally been getting my feet wet in this whole podcasting thing, learning to just um, learn how to be me while podcasting. It's a very new and strange dynamic for me. You know, I'm a therapist. I engage with people. Um, I'm looking for you know, body language, inflections of voice. And so just speaking into a mic and having nobody present is kind of really weird for me. So I'm getting the, you know, I'm just, I don't know. I've got to learn to just imagine like somebody's here. I'm learning to really get the hang of it and build my, uh, my podcast personality. Um, and so for somebody who's very uh, introspective and sort of hyper aware about a lot of things and looking for a lot of things, I am trying not to psychoanalyze myself while I am podcasting. It is very hard to be me sometimes, but I'm just letting you in. I'm just letting you into who I am and how I think. So today we are going to be talking about forgiveness. And by no means is this going to be a comprehensive podcast about how to forgive. Um, you know, I'm not going to be hashing out all these biblical references and sort of interpreting scripture about forgiveness. I really just want to leave you with, I hate to say technique, but really just um, a pointer, a tip, um, a way that has helped me, a way of thinking that has helped me lead me in the right direction toward forgiving somebody. And I call it learning somebody's backstory. I know it's really original, right? But it really, it involves somebody's backstory. And the theme emerged when there was some a lot of Netflix series that I think my husband and I were watching. And for whatever reason, whether it was um, the evil queen Regina from Once Upon a Time or Wilson Fisk from Daredevil, um, or the Joker, there was this theme of why a, the villain became the villain. So understanding the villain's backstory. Uh, my bachelor's degree is in criminology, and so I've always had this fascination of sort of the criminal mind and, and why a person becomes who they are. But the movie that really drove the point home for me was Disney's Maleficent. I know, this is crazy, right? But there's something about, that's why all of us, just Maleficent is like my favorite Disney character now. I am collecting a whole bunch of Maleficent things. So anyway, if you have not seen the movie Maleficent, and I'm talking about, you know, the new one, I'm not talking about Aurora's Sleeping Beauty. I am talking about, I believe it was in 2014, Disney released just the Maleficent story played by Angelina Jolie. So if you haven't seen this movie, you have to see it, but I'm going to give you a spoiler alert that I'm definitely going to reveal the storyline in this podcast. So if you don't mind and you haven't seen it, then continue to listen on. If you really want to see the movie before I talk about it, then pause this and get back at me after you see the movie. But here it goes. So before Disney's Maleficent in 2014... All we know about this evil chick named Maleficent is that she's a party crasher. She comes into this baptismal 
sort of a dedication of a baby kind of setting or event. And she shows up in all of her evil glam and all. And she's like, oh, I didn't get an invite. Why didn't I get an invite? (laughs) And she's all evil about it. And you're just wondering, why is she being a hater right now? This is just a baby dedication right now. People are giving gifts. And she shows up out of nowhere. And, you know, when they paint this story of Maleficent, all we know is that she's super evil and we immediately hate her. There's no question about it. Um, We don't like her. She's unashamedly evil. She's cold. Uh, She's calculating. She's a bully. Um, We hate her and our personal need for justice sort of justifies that feeling. Like, the way you are presenting yourself right now, woman, nobody likes you. Please go sit down. Okay, that's how we feel about her. And we have no qualms about it. We're like, you suck. This is an innocent baby. People are giving gifts. And you just cursed her. And so she curses her. You know, we don't know why we just know that she's going to end up pricking her finger. And when that happens, she's you know, going to die or going to a slumber of some kind. And so everybody's all up in arms about it. And she poofs out of there. And so the fairies are like, don't worry, you know, we'll take care of her. We know nothing about raising little girls, but we'll keep her from this harm and for the very potential risk of her pricking her finger. Her father goes all out and burns every, you know, I don't know what it was, some type of spinning wheel thing that she's supposedly supposed to prick her her finger on and so that's all we know about Maleficent she's evil she's a hater and she wants to harm kids like who likes that kind of person but in 2014 though Disney comes out with the Maleficent story I really would like to know why but we don't know why yet all we know is that they decided to put her story out there and 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 it's a wonderful thing. And I love this. So what we know about Maleficent now is that we actually get to see her in in the movie Maleficent as a young girl. And she's actually pretty beautiful. And she has wings. And she flies. And she's sort of like this type of fairy, but like a guardian fairy. And she is a protector of this particular enchanted realm. Okay, Um, and she seems like your average child, um, very sweet. And, and, you know, you always wonder, like, man, where did things go wrong? You know, and so this is what we know about her. And then all of a sudden, a young boy sort of makes his way into the enchanted forest somehow. He's a human. He's not supposed to be in this part. Um, And instead of, you know, ordering him out or killing him, they actually become good friends. And it sort of becomes this budding sort of young romance sort of coming of age story where the two of them grow up together and like each other. They even share their first kiss, you know. And so really, this is Maleficent's sort of young love. Um, And, you know, and he would come and visit her. And then there were sort of seasons where he would not come visit her, even though they were sort of like best friends, but with benefits, but like with not too many benefits, you know, just like enough benefits to where it's like holy, you know, but that's just besides the point. So, so he 
actually is some some type of servant boy in this kingdom and he serves in the king's palace and um at one point the king that the boy serves who is maleficent's friend that king goes to war with maleficent for whatever reason he wants to infiltrate that enchanted forest and maleficent just lays the smack down and just totally demolishes this king and really just embarrasses him and so you know fast forward and now this king is on his deathbed and you know he totally has the wrong priorities and he's like listen i i don't know why but he had no successor to his throne so he issues this decree and says whoever can kill maleficent will inherit my throne and guess who's present when he makes that that sort of vow the servant boy and so evil filled the heart of this servant boy because, you know, sort of they just pan to him and it's implied that he knows exactly how to get to Maleficent and he's about to use her for promotional benefits, okay? And so sort of the next scene, and I'm going very quickly through this movie, the next scene is is that he goes and visits Maleficent and, you know, she has nothing to worry about with him coming. They've been friends forever. He hasn't abused their relationship or abused her in any way. And so when they see each other, they have a very nice sort of moment. And he does something. I think he poisons her or gives her something that where she falls asleep. And all we know is that he's going to kill her and he doesn't have the heart to kill her. And then instead, he goes for the wings and he cuts off her very beautiful wings that are, I mean, these are not just your small fairy wings. These are huge. They're a source of identity for her. She loved to fly and soar very high. And so there's a sense of freedom that's attached to these wings. And so her identity, her freedom are tied into her wings and who she is. And he ripped, he literally tears that from her. The next scene is that he shows up back at the palace with these wings sort of, sort of as evidence that he did indeed kill Maleficent and all we hear is a blood-curdling scream for Maleficent uh, with her waking up learning that she had been used, she had been betrayed, and her wings were cut off. And so it's not often that we are afforded a backstory to a villain. Um, and, and so, and I think that many of us would still hate Maleficent if Disney did not give us her backstory. But all of a sudden, now that we understand why she is the way she is, we can understand her. In fact, we can probably empathize with her. She's wounded. She's been betrayed. And now she's on a mission for revenge. And something changes. Our hearts soften toward her. And all of a sudden, we feel like, you know, girl, I don't even blame you. I would be doing the same thing. 
Like, you know, like we have this, like this, a different a- attitude comes about and we're more apt to forgive because we understand her pain because pain is universal. It connects us all. It connects all of humanity. And so when we understand pain, I mean, it could be just like the meanest person, but when you realize how they've been done wrong, then something changes. We just can empathize with them. So how do we tie this into forgiveness? When I saw this, I was like, wow, Disney's so smart. They totally just made me love a villain. Um, and, and the rest of the movie is so awesome. I really recommend that you see the rest of it because she really, she gets, she gets her vindication. And I think that we all want that because I think that every human being has, has experienced some type of pain, disappointment, or betrayal from a loved one. And so tying this into forgiveness, you know, I remember that season that I was in where I was like, how do I forgive this person because I felt betrayed by them, because I was disappointed by them. And I remember God saying, she is in need of as much grace as you were in need of. And that struck me like, really? I never thought about that. How dare her have the audacity to be in need of forgiveness or be in need of mercy? And so that opened my eyes because many times when we're in relationships with other people, we come with these expectations. Like, hey, why don't you know any better? You know, and so we expect the people in our lives to know better and how to communicate better and how to operate in their roles in your life better, not understanding or even just sometimes forgetting that they are just as much in need of grace as you were. And so I think that this is why forgiveness is such a focal point of Christianity, because truly none of us deserve it. So who are we to withhold it? Um, And as I was thinking about this, um, I really thought about Romans, this verse out of Romans. Um, It's out of chapter 3, verse 21. It says, but now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness, this right way of living from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And then verse 27 says, so where then is boasting? And I really love that because it's such a check. Like that's why I love reading scripture because it, it just checks your heart. And so it's like, who are we to withhold forgiveness Who are we to sort of expect any type of righteousness from somebody when really all of us have fallen short of the glory of God? And when we come to accept the Lord, we're all justified freely by grace. So who are we to boast? And what what I think that means is that sometimes I don't think that forgiveness is the issue. Or maybe it is, but it's tied into judgment. That's why there is this 
that's why um, Paul is saying, where then is their, their boasting? Like, why is it that you're boasting in, in your role and your position in this issue, in this problem, when you were just as in need of this grace, when you were just, when you were also freely justified by this grace. And so I feel like forgiveness and judgment go hand in hand. When we have an unforgiveness towards somebody, it's because we're judging their wrong behavior. And we are in essence in this very self-righteous position when we do that. Like, I can't believe that person did that. But really, sometimes what we need to do is consider their backstory. Perhaps there is a reason that they act that way. Perhaps the behavior that is being played out in your relationship with them was something modeled for them. Um, or just unhealthy behavior, unhealthy communication, unhealthy attachments were present in their childhood. And so they don't even know how, what healthy attachments or healthy relationships look like to have that with you. And so what I want to encourage you to do is consider the villains in your life and consider that perhaps they have a backstory And when you do that, there's the very real potential for you to extend grace because you realize, man, they've probably been wrong in some way too. There won't be this expectation, this, um, just the standard that you're expecting from them. What I think that you should try to do to help you is to consider their backstory and and try to remove the judgment piece. And what that judgment piece usually sounds like is, how could you? What kind of friend are you? What kind of mom are you? Well, what kind of Christian is he? What kind of Christian is she? You know, and so that those are very judgmental thoughts, but they go hand in hand. And I believe that those judgmental thoughts really just present themselves Um, as thoughts, and then unforgiveness is what follows. But if we can catch those judgmental thoughts and remind ourselves that everybody falls short and that we're all freely in need of grace, then I think it's going to be easier for us to be able to forgive. So that's, that's what I wanted to leave you with. Um, consider somebody's backstory, consider the source, consider that everybody has been wronged and betrayed in some way that makes them a villain to somebody in their life. Um, Consider that also, even if they're Christian, perhaps they're just on a different level in their walk with God. And, And be that peacemaker. And remember that really when you can learn to attach some meaning to the whys and the wherefores in your particular situation, it really frees you, not them. And we hear that all the time, but it's true. It's going to free you. Um, So remember to try to let go of that judgment um, and forgiveness will follow. So I'll leave you with this verse from Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Well, that's all for now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 
Got a question? Hop on liverev.org and click Ask Vanessa. And remember to think, feel, and live revolutionary. In this way, you affect the culture around you.